I have a situation. I have more Christmas ties than there are Sundays in the month, even when there are five. Even when we're doing six services in this month, if we consider the dinner and the the program that we present uh, next uh, Sunday night. Uh, And I've carefully chosen uh, the first three, uh, and then I have to look at the others and uh, try to figure that out. And I'll have to admit, there are a couple of those Christmas ties that I have that I just don't wear. I mean, they, just, they never make the choice. They don't make the cut. And I hope that I purchased those ties myself and they weren't given to me because, you know, gifts are supposed to be used. <laughs> and uh, I want to make sure that I do that. Uh, but the ties that we wear during the month of December uh, have a point. And so uh, the point, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ and all of the ties will, in one way or another, uh, depict the season that we're in. Well, today's the first Sunday of Advent, and we're going to uh, go through that uh, this morning, uh, beginning with the first the first Sunday, the first candle, uh, those kinds of things. And so let's let's pray that the Lord will clear our minds and hearts, in order that we are completely open to him and the message uh, that he has prepared for us today. So let's pray together. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you uh, this day, this first Sunday of Advent, this first Sunday in which we formally, I guess I could say, formally uh, consider the gift that you have provided for us, that wonderful gift of your Son, uh, and we thank you and praise you as we worship you today in the th- songs we've already sung and the words that are to be spoken and the thoughts that we will uh, carry from here to share uh, with a lost and dying world out there. And for this, we give thanks and praise for all that you are to us in Jesus name. Amen. Advent's a season of four Sundays that mark the beginning of a new church year because we end up the year and actually we're going to have that fifth Sunday and then boom, all of a sudden, I mentioned it already, uh, we're going to be in the next year. I'm not going to mention the year ad nauseum. We know about next November and I don't want to talk about it at all, so I won't. Uh, what's happening next? No, I won't talk about it at all. Uh, Advent is kind of a fresh start. It gives us an opportunity to, to, to show our faith and to worship. And as I mentioned earlier, I guess I mentioned it in Bible study, that this month, this time that we have, beginning with the first Sunday, uh, in uh, December, December the 1st, that's the date today. Uh, it's all up. You go to any of the stores, you go to, to the streets, they're decorated. Our people across the street have got their lights up already. And we put up our tree and plugged it in. And, and the lights are beautiful and we haven't put the ornaments on it yet. But we're, we're all doing it. And I'm, and I know every one of us is starting to consider or have already begun doing exactly the same things that Shirley and I 
are doing. Honing down the Christmas card list. You know, are we still going to send cards out at all? Because now in this technological age, we are, you know, well, I'll just email everybody. Well, that, and, well, anyway, I don't want to go there. I don't want to argue uh, for Hallmark here today. But it's all, it's the season. It's the opportunity that we have in so many different ways to celebrate what we're talking about here. Advent is a time to anticipate, spiritually prepare uh, for uh, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Our Savior, God's gift of love. We talk about the gift of gifts. Whose birthday is it? It's our birthday. God gave us the Lord Jesus Christ for a specific purpose. And that's what this Advent is all about. Advent comes from the Latin. It means coming or arrival. And that's what we're looking towards. We're looking towards that magic date. I'm not going to argue dates and calendars now with December the 25th. That's for another day. Uh, But that's what we're doing. We celebrate in this month. This is the month that we celebrate. uh, And we celebrate in this way. Bible readings, carol singing, and we've already done that today. That third hymn that we sang today. I haven't heard that sung in a long time. And what a beautiful song it is. Uh, I hope we get to, to hear it again and again uh, through whatever medium uh, that you celebrate as you go about. Uh, celebrating Advent uh, is a special time. Devotions, including Bible reading, prayer, singing, lighting candles, and all of the rest of that, all of the stuff. But it, it isn't just stuff. It's times of worship. It's time... For us to come together in common thought, in common accord. Which is why I pray that that uh, our minds are set aside. We're not worried about lunch today. We're not worried about uh, making the airport on time. We're not worried about any of those things. Our focus is completely and entirely enveloped in the Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come to the Advent table. And the Advent table is made up of, you see them here. And you'll see the, the, the colors are here. The, the purple regarding the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll have the purple candles and we've got the, uh, the pink candle that we'll talk about later. And of course the candle in the center, this white candle, the single white candle representing what, but the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to light the first candle and actually I actually pre-lit it last night so that I'm almost positive that it'll light quickly. I won't take three matches and please, please wax. Do your thing. Anyway, so let us now uh, do that. Uh, a special prayer, and I have it written here and I'm going to read it to you. Okay. God, the Father of light, bless this Advent candle. Send your spirit to us so that Noticed and unnoticed, we may give warmth and light to each person we meet this holy season. Amen. And with that, we light the first candle. And this is called the shepherd's candle, if I remember right. Prophecy candle. There you go. Thank you, Shirley. Uh, It's also called, and because it's the prophecy candle, it's also called the candle of hope. 
It's almost like I rehearsed it. But there it is. The candle of hope. So I'd like you to think in terms of the candle this morning as we uh, consider what we're going to be talking about and the, 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 ah, what I'm trying to stumble over here. The thriving thought, the pushing thought, the enveloping thought is that of hope. And that's what we're hoping for. And as you think in terms of the Christmas story and Mary and Joseph and, and all of the things that, that we know so very, very well from, from the retelling, uh, that it's a hope, the hope of the blessing to come. And so we light this first candle in the hope of the blessing to come. And the blessing is going to come in the person of a babe in a manger, uh, witnessed by the shepherds and so on and so on. And we'll be talking about those things as we go forward. I did not rehearse where to put the burnt match. Uh, but there we are. So, with this candle, and we'll, we'll see how long it takes to burn. We'll be fine. We'll be fine, won't we? Okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> there's reflection this morning for some reason. In the fullness of time. Ever hear that before? God sent the angel Gabriel to Zacharias, the humble Levite priest, minister before God at the temple in Jerusalem, appeared in a vision. The angel foretold the birth of John the Baptist, who would be sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. And with the coming of his forerunner, the first stirring of the Messiah, his own coming was announced. Luke chapter 1 verse 17 says, And he shall go forth before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, of Elijah. And that, of course, is John the Baptist. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Think of yourself as that instrument today. Think of yourself as that instrument today. The statement echoed in the prophecy uh, from Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before and coming and the grant in the dreadful day of the Lord. The dreadful day of the Lord. The entire world changed on that one single solitary day that the shepherds witnessed so many thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago. Isaiah said, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And isn't that what we're called to do? Isn't that exactly what we're called to do as we reach out in this season in so many ways in which we reach out with cards and with uh, welcome, come on over and have coffee and donuts or uh, have dinner. And, and we are so open during this time of year, the gift giving. And by the way, Toys for Tots is already out. The, the box that's here. So here's a dropping place for toys, unwrapped brand new toys that you want to give to who knows who. Uh, children that wouldn't have them otherwise. Anyway, there's a commercial, but that's, but the idea being is this is a time that we do those things. These are the time that we feel very open and free to do these things. 
The promises have been there for centuries, for centuries upon centuries upon centuries. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about the very beginning. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is Abraham or Abram. Abram, get up, get your stuff, get out of town, and I'll show you where you're going. That's my paraphrase of chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. And, but he started, and then he, and then God gives him all of these promises. And these promises we learned this morning in a new way, how impossible those promises were. How impossible those promises were. And yet all of those promises, all of the things that God shares throughout the Old Testament leading up into uh, the gospel message are fulfilled on the day that we're celebrating now. The day that we're celebrating now, the day that, that Jesus came. The culmination of all of the promises are found on Christmas morning. Christmas morning. That's how important uh, that day is. Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The angel came and pronounced to Mary. Now think about that for a minute. You have just been told that you are highly favored. The angel said, you are highly favored. Blessed art you among women in general. Mary, and then what's the next thing that he says? You're going to have a son. Think about that for just a moment. Think about the impossibility of that in Mary's mind. What are you possibly talking about in, I'm a virgin, I've never been with a man. You know, I know just enough biology to know that you don't know what you're talking about, angel of the Lord. And yet Mary's response, like Abraham's response, Abraham's response all the way back 2,000 years before this happened was, pack my stuff, I'm going. Now we don't think about that today. We don't think too much about that today because if we came to the desert because I got a job. We just packed up everybody and we came. And we're ready to go again. We've been here for over 35 years, but, but you got the idea. Abraham was willing to come. And Mary said what? Be it unto me as you would, as you would wish. There again, my paraphrase. <clears throat> Mary's genealogy is very important. We get, we all, all of us skim read the, ge- the genealogies. All of those biographical sketches, Abraham begat and begat and begat and begat and all of the begats. And yet it's so important for us to see the begats because in her genealogy, we see that the seed of David is preserved. And through Joseph's genealogy, which we get in Matthew, we see that the promise that God made to David and to Solomon about the about the throne of David would continue forever is fulfilled because in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ the person in the issue of Mary 
Joseph as the stepfather, all promises are fulfilled. When in the fullness of time, Paul says in the, in the book of Galatians, uh, God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son in the fullness of time. What's the fullness of time mean? At the exact right moment in time, Jesus was born. But now, in order for Jesus to be born, all of those events had to happen. It's almost like when you plan a trip and you have, well, I got to make sure I got the tickets. I got the vacation from work. I've got the car fixed if we're driving and uh, we've made reservations and we've done this. We made all of the preparations so that we can do whatever it is we're going to do. And that's what God has done throughout history, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Actually, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, God has been laying the groundwork for this day that we're celebrating in this candle today. And the child she would bear, two parts of God's ancient covenant would come together again in one person at last. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, the seed I will establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations, Psalm 89 says. And that's what we have in Jesus. That's what we have in Jesus. So come, O come, Emmanuel, the ransomed captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. And I imagine we'll probably sing that before the end of the month. We sang it last Sunday. We sang it last Sunday. And you'll notice that I don't sing it in public. And you thank, you may all thank me collectively. And you see Rosie back there shaking her head. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt your neck. Okay. But there it is. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah tells us. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. Very common verses. You've heard them before. 700 years before this day that we're talking about coming up here in a couple of weeks Isaiah the prophet spoke these words for unto you a child is born unto us a son is given the Holy Ghost will come upon you it tells us in Luke chapter 1 and here we back the angel again and the power of the highest shall overshadow you and also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Jesus the Son. Jesus the Son. For he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 21. Isaiah says this, The Lord formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him. O come, 
thou King of David. Come, open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That's the promise. Jesus came in order that you and I might live with him forever. And now that word is not just a word that we throw out. It's a word that has meaning, that has substance. And it's the hope of glory. It's the hope of glory. That's what it's all about. Jesus, or God, through Jesus, if I can put it that way, God through Jesus in sending his son has given us that hope of glory. Hope of glory. And that's what I want to talk about as we close the message today. The indwelling Christ is a basis for hope. That's a, duh, of course, that's what it is. But think about it. Make these thoughts central in your mind as you pass out the Christmas cards, as you smile and say Merry Christmas and have a wonderful holiday. The indwelling Christ is a basis for hope. The indwelling Christ is the Christ of eternity. John chapter 1 tells us this. The indwelling Christ is the Christ who entered time. John chapter 1 verse 14. The indwelling Christ is our contemporary. He is the living Christ who has conquered death and hell. Revelation chapter 1. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you if you have accepted him. He is the Christ, the living Christ. Christ isn't dead. Christ is alive. Christ died as a person. He physically died and took on a spiritual life. And that spiritual life is going to last forever. Now, we don't understand really anything about his resurrected body. We got little sketches of what we saw. And from that, we embellish and and we think in terms of magic and all of those kinds of things. Set it aside. There's physical and there's spiritual. And you'll learn, you'll have the full disclosure of the spiritual the day you walk through the door. When you walk through the door into God's throne room, then you will have all of those questions answered. Everything will become completely clear for you. In the meantime, we have the hope of his salvation. The indwelling Christ is the basis of God's hope for us. Matthew chapter 28 says, The living Christ has given to each of his disciples the gift of his spiritual presence. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, he tells us in Matthew. The living Christ is at work within us to accomplish God's purpose. Galatians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. We have the strength to do that. We have the means by which to do that. The very purpose of this church, the very purpose of, quote, the church, is to prepare us all of the way to walk out the door and to do exactly what we're talking about. The unwilling Christ is the basis of God's hope for something significant from each one of us. We all become more than we can be because we have Christ in us. The things that we've done, and you 
I'm sure can look back into your own lives at those times when God has used you in a very special way. The indwelling Christ is the basis of God's hope for something significant from each one of us. And that significance very well could be that wonderful smile that you give to someone along with God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves me and because I know he loves me, I know he loves you and let me share how I know it. That's called witnessing. That's called testifying. That's called telling your own personal story. The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for fulfilling God's plan for our lives. What is the plan for our life? God has told us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All of a sudden, we've got a plan. There's the plan. You'll, follow, you'll obey my commandments. Matthew chapter 28 says, go. That's an empirical command, by the way, in the Greek. And I'm not a Greek scholar, so I don't throw that stuff out very often. But that word go in the Greek is this isn't a suggestion. Go. It's almost like my commanding officer uh, in the Marine Corps telling me to do something. And there's no question about do it. Yes, sir. <laughs> On my way. I almost got it completed already, sir. That, that, that's what it is. Indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for fulfilling God's purpose. The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for the forgiveness of all of our sins. How are we, how do we know that we're forgiven? We know that we're forgiven because Jesus hung on the cross and took them all. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus said on the cross. In that terrible anguish of a phrase, we have hope. Because Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world, in order that we might not suffer the very physical things that we see in the person of Jesus. Jesus took it all. He took the mocking, he took the uh, the beating, the physical scourging, even to the point of death. But he conquered it all. Didn't complain about being beaten up. Complain for just a moment to God, why have you forsaken me? There's that humanness, there's that little bit of humanness. He knew, he knew. In order that we might have life. Well, how do I know that? Well, I go back just a couple of hours into the Garden of Gethsemane and I look at the prayer that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. I know what's going on, God. Jesus is saying, and I just assume in this human form, not go, not do tomorrow. Let's skip tomorrow, okay? However, however, not my will, but thine be done. There it is. And so there we go. And then off we go into Passion Day. uh, And Jesus, by the end of the day, the next day, uh, is hanging on a cross and is dead and is buried and, ex- and so on. And we'll do the rest of that at Easter. 
The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for victory over evil in the present and in the future. In the present and in the future, he is the hope. He's the hope for the world. He's the hope for you and I. And he's the hope for anybody that we're willing to reach out and touch. We are the conduit. We are God's conduit. We call ourselves ambassadors. We call ourselves disciples. And we're we're all of those things. But we're a conduit. We reach out and we touch. What do we touch them with? Not with these fingers that I'm waving around this morning. But we touch them with the very love that we were touched with. Think for just a moment right now. When did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? There was a touching time. Someone reached out and touched you. Oh, it might have been your mother kicked you into Sunday school. You will go to Sunday school. Uh, that might have been it. And that Sunday school teacher that taught you the little stories and the songs and, the, and you did the little cutouts and all the little cute little things that, that you do in Sunday school. But there came a time that all of that teaching, teaching from your parents perhaps, teaching from the church itself, Sunday school teachers and pastor and all of those things, all of those things came to a point where you realized you became so convinced you saw the very truth of what we're talking about today. And that's how you came to know the Lord. I can't help but think of Billy Graham's ministry as he as he, he shared one message. And it's interesting to me that Franklin has carried that on. He shares one message. It's John 14, 6. What's John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the upper room discourse. That's the day before Jesus went to the cross. And that's Franklin's home verse. That's, that's my signature verse. I don't know if he's ever called it that, but the way he uses it, it is. But what a nugget of truth that is. I am the way, Jesus says, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the message. That's the hope of victory over evil in the present and in the future. We got some evil out there. Uh, now you can read the paper for yourself. You can turn on the TV and did a, you know, you get off the Hallmark Channel, and all of a sudden it's just terrible out there. You got the idea. The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for significant service. What's a significant? Something significant is something that lasts. Something that lasts. I can't think of anything that lasts longer than eternal life. That sounds redundant, doesn't it? And it should be. It is redundant. But it's the truth. It's the basic bedrock truth. The most significant thing I can possibly do with this humble life of mine is provide the opportunity for someone to join me in that eternal walk. What's that called? It's called witnessing. Campus Crusade for Christ taught me a paragraph. Oh, I can still, uh, word perfect. Oh, word perfect. Wrote memory. 
Successful witnessing. Successful sharing Christ. Successful witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Then that's all that I'm asked to do. That's what God wants me to do. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, uh, follow me. That's what he says when he says, go ye into all the world and teach the nations, baptize the nations. When you baptize, you baptize after a person has, quote, seen the light and understands now the significance of God and the gift and what all of this uh, Christmas stuff is all about. Then the baptism is what? Baptism is nothing magic. It's just a public declaration of, hey, I'm one of you. And that's the most significant thing that we can do. Now, do we do it by by perhaps providing someone a meal that they need or providing some kind of physical love offering uh, that that is required? That doesn't last. If I offer, if I gave you a sandwich, I mean, and Jesus did this. He fed 5,000 people. And what did the 5,000 people do? Where's dinner? They came chasing Jesus for, for, for dinner. Hey, lunch. Hey, it was a good lunch. And we were filled. But now it's a few hours later and hey, and there's still no food around. What are we going to do? And they chased Jesus into the lake. Now, careful with how we do that. But, There you are. A sandwich is just a sandwich. But the love of God lasts forever. That's the significant service. Indwelling Christ is the basis for our hope of heaven at the end of the way. And that's true, isn't it? The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for others. The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for others. Because without the indwelling Christ, we really... We don't have the power to do that which we are called to do. If you look at Matthew chapter 28 very carefully, and you see, all power is given to me, the first part of the verse says. And because I have that power, I want you to go. Go you into the world and preach and teach and baptize and all of that business. Because I have the power. And by inference, he's saying, because I have the power I'm going to give you the power. Because I have the power, I'm going to give you the power. Because I've received the gift. You can't possibly give the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to someone else if you don't have it. You can't give. I think this was a gift, this tie. So I'll use this as the example. This tie was actually owned by someone else before I got it. They owned it, if only with the idea that they were going to give it to me. That's, I don't know. But eventually it was given to me. That's what we're talking about. You got to have it before you can give it. And so that indwelling Christ is so important. And that's what Jesus said he was going to give you. All power is given to me and you now have it. Because I am with you. When I go, he told the disciples in the upper room, I'm going to send what? I'm going to send a comforter for you. And we've done that when we did the Holy Spirit uh, sermon series. The Holy Spirit is here in the 
Holy Spirit is the representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the Lord Jesus Christ is indwelling us because of the overreaching power of the Holy Spirit. There it is. The indwelling Christ is the basis of our hope for others. Christ came not only to be the Savior of individuals, but also create a family for the Father of God. You're a family. We are a family. And it isn't just the, I counted you earlier, 11 or 12 of us that are here today. But it goes, it goes beyond that. All four of my children have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So they're part of my spiritual family. I mean, they're biologically attached, but that's beyond the point. And, and they, have, they have Christ. You know people in your family. You have friends that are also Christians. And they're part, they're, that's what we're talking about. They're part of that. Even the mob that meets in some of these mega, and I, I say mob because I'm not much of a mega church person, but in all of these mega, there's people in there, they're part of the family. If they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, they really have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and they're not just showing up on Sunday because it looks good and Monday somebody might buy something because I showed up in church. Uh, that's not the purpose. All of those, those are people who are family. That's the family that we're talking about. The family for the Father of God. The indwelling Christ creates a disposition of love with individual believers and expresses itself towards other members of God's family. Think about you and think about what I just said. Have you ever felt that disposition of love? I would say, yes, you have. Maybe not as often as you might. You might need to work on that. And I'm not here pointing fingers about that today. That's not what it's about. But reaching out and touching. Reaching out and touching. There's things that I do that I just automatically do. Because of what? Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. When I'm overchanged and I give the weight, the the girl back, the the cashier back the extra dollar she gave me and and that's what that's that's a manifestation of christ in me that driving force and when people thank me for that i mean because they don't in this world (laughs) hey you get out the door with a dollar it's yours right uh that's that's the world today isn't it but no it isn't the world the world the way God would have it to be is the way in which using that as the one example uh, is is the way it should be. I don't misuse anyone. I'm not here to misuse anyone. This is the hope. The hope is that Christ would come. The hope is that Christ has come. The hope is that someone cares for me enough, and we're talking about maybe even a stranger, a person you don't know, I love that person that just walked, you didn't see him, I did, because I'm looking the other way, walked down this aisle, 
I love that person so much and I have any idea who they are, what their name is, etc., etc. I love them so much that I want them to meet the Lord Jesus Christ or at least have the opportunity. And then they have to make the choice. Successful witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what? God takes over. And leaving the results to God. The indwelling Christ is the hope for us. The indwelling God, if I can put it that way, has been the hope from day one in the Garden of Eden. Or day six in the Garden of Eden, if we want to go for special creation. There it is. It's been the same. Abram, I want you to get up and leave. Leave your family behind. Leave everybody you know behind. You take your wife and your whatever goods you can pack on the back of the donkeys. And I want you to go. And when you get where I want you to be, I'll tell you to stop. Really? Where's Google? I mean... We don't go anywhere without Google anymore. We put it in there and we get the road path and turn left and turn right and the rest of that business. And when's the last time that you took a step of faith? A step of faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't think that person, look at that person's face. They don't want to hear this message. They don't want to hear about God's love. They're so far away from love that it's just, What a waste of time. But it's not a waste of time. Go you into all the world. Don't you love that three-letter word? All. And Jesus meant all. Well, maybe. Not them. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if they went. I don't want to go if they've gone. All that ridiculous thing that we talk about. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if Hitler's there. The hope. And that's what the candle's about. And the candle was lit as God interacted with Adam and Eve. The hope has been there ever since. The plan of salvation was laid before God said, let there be light. plan of salvation for you for them I mean, out, out there what are they doing out there playing golf they should be in here you got the idea the plan of salvation has been there since the very beginning and will continue until such time that the physical world will cease and that's a time for that's another story that I'll tell another day. Do you have the hope? Are you willing to share the hope? I think we all have the hope. Are you willing to share it? Can't put it in a box, can't put a ribbon around it. But it's the most significant gift you will ever give. God loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die 
for you. The hope. The hope of things to come. The hope of everlasting life. Can you share the hope? Let's pray together. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, that's our prayer today. That's my prayer for our congregation today. That we're open enough to reach out, to use the Holy Spirit that you've given to us to reach out and touch others. That they also might come to know you in a real and personal way. So guide us now in this season of giving and let us give the most significant gift of all, the gift of your Son. And for this we give thanks and praise in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, we're turning to page 95. Go tell on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Now how appropriate is that?